Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Grab your Bibles. We're going to start uh, in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter number 1, verse number 21. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse number 21. You can go ahead and stand to your feet. We're going to forego our faith declaration on tonight. Uh, We'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter number one, we'll begin in verse 21 instead of verse 20. It says, now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He has anointed us. It's my shot. I'm anointed. Yeah, he has anointed us. The anointing comes from God. It's not about how much you spend time in prayer and Watch this, not even how much you even consecrate yourself. It is God who anoints you. It is God's anointed. When God anoints, he anoints for a purpose and for a reason. It is for his purpose to be fulfilled when the anointing of God comes on your life, no matter what stage or phase of life you're in, when God anoints you, it's for a purpose. And sometimes you may not even be in the best place of your life and God still anoints you. Yeah, you ought to thank God for that because because it's for his purpose. It's in spite of you that God's anoint uh, you. Right. So it is God who anoints. Hallelujah. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteed, watch this, what is to come. I don't know if you know what a guarantee is, but when you go to a bank, you can sign a guarantee loan, meaning that you have the funds to back up already what you're borrowing from them, meaning that I'm guaranteed to pay you back. That's what God says. He put his spirit in us as a guarantee to assure that the thing is to come. He's going to be good for it. It's a guarantee. Somebody shout us a guarantee. Father, we thank you now in this moment that we have with you. I pray that your spirit fill us to an overflow. Father, I pray now that whatever is holding on will let loose now in the name of Jesus. I pray that your anointing, God, will destroy the yoke. And lift the heavy burden on the hearts of your people in this very hour. God, we have come in with great concerns of what's happening in us and around us. And Father, now we ask, oh God, that you will rest your hand, your anointing upon our lives. And destroy the yoke and lift the burden now. In Jesus' mighty name. Somebody shout amen. 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 You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Uh, It says that God has given us a guarantee a guarantee of what's to come, that God is so sovereign in all of his wisdom and knowledge. God has already foreseen what's to come and has given us a guarantee that we're covered. He has given us a guarantee that we're covered. That's why he has given us power by his Holy Spirit to keep us because we need the Holy Spirit as a guarantee for what's to come because what's to come is more than we can handle. (laughs) 
What's to come is bigger than you. What's to come is bigger than myself. That's why you need the Holy Spirit, because greater is he that is than he that's in the world. So you need the power of the Holy Ghost. You need something far greater on the inside of you because you can't handle what's on the outside of you. Because if you could handle what was on the outside, you wouldn't need God. Oh, y'all. Amen. If you could do it all yourself, what's the point of coming to Christ? If you could have delivered yourself, you would have delivered yourself a long time ago. What's the point of having a deliverer? Hallelujah. Yeah, let's be honest about it. You would have came out of the club. You would have came out of hooking and crooking. You would have came out of all of that stuff all by yourself, if not for the power of God. So you need the Holy Ghost. And God says he has given his spirit in us as a guarantee that no matter what you fa- oh, I feel a whole- no matter what you face in life, you have a guarantee that you're going to be a conqueror. Hallelujah. You're going to be victorious. Hallelujah. You're going to win. Somebody shout, I'm winning. I'm winning. Yeah, because you have the guarantee of the Holy Spirit. Oh, God, I love it. Hear this. God is able to keep you. You got to know that he is able to keep you. No matter how much you wiggle and flop, Nick texted me early. He said, man, we should go fishing one day. I don't know if you've ever been fishing before. You caught that one fish that jumped on the line, and he slip out your hand, he flop on the, on, the, on the deck a little bit, and then jump back in the water. Anybody had the big one that got away? You know, he just jumped out of your hands and hit the ground and just flopped back in the water, took off. You, you know, no matter how much you flop and flounder around, God is a keeper. <laughs> He can reach in the depths of the sea. I don't care how deep you get. He can reach down to the very depths of the sea and pull you out. No matter how far you run, no matter how wide you get away from God, God's arm is not short. He can reach in and pull you back. You, you cannot slip. God is able to keep you. And all things. Uh, I'm going to say that again. In all things. A layoff on a job, eviction out of your house, a repossession, addiction, some stronghold. God is able to keep you. I'll share this testimony before we have this talk back time on this evening. Uh, my, my uncle who just passed away on last Friday, uh, I was ministering and preaching at a revival in Opelousas, Louisiana. And my uncle had been in and out of jail for a number of years, I think even up to his death, he probably wouldn't probably was released probably not too long ago before he transitioned. But he was just in and out of jail pretty much all the time that I all my life that I'd known him in and out of jail. And um, as I was preaching in Opelousas, the spirit of the Lord just filled the place. I mean, it was just it was just miraculous what the spirit of God was doing that moment. It was uh Something I never experienced before it was a spirit of repentance that broke out. Oh, now, boy, if the church can get to back to that place. It, it was a spirit of repentance that swept through the room With, without any prompting or no ushering of this. People started standing up and just started confessing their sins. People were coming down to the altar and talking about how they were committed adultery. Watch with the wife sitting right next to them. And people were just repenting. And I mean, it was just a wave. 
of God's spirit just filled the room. And people was just weeping and crying and confessing and repenting, saying, I'm sorry, and God, forgive me, and Lord, save me. It, just, it was just crazy what God was doing in that moment. This lady who I had just met that night, in that moment, walked out of the building. And she walked out, and about maybe seven minutes later, she comes back in with a man <laughs> who was my uncle. He came to the altar, gave his life to Christ. I'm just flowing with tears at this moment because I'm like, this is my uncle. I hadn't seen him in years. He's been in prison. And he begins to share what had happened. He said, I was just coming from the liquor store. And this lady came and grabbed me and said, your brother's son is in there preaching. She didn't know me, nor she knew my family. Your brother's son is in there preaching, and you need to go see him. Pulled him to the altar. He gave his life to Christ. But what I'm saying is that God is a keeper. Even in all of his wayward ways, God was keeping him. Yeah, quiet. Even in and out of jail, God loved him enough to keep him. To, to disturb and disrupt that moment, to pull him into the house of God so he can confess and accept Jesus Christ as his Lord and say, God is, somebody shout, God is a keeper. Oh, God can keep you. He can keep you. I don't care how much you do, how much you've done, God can keep you. Matter of fact, he desires to keep you. It is God's heart to hold you tight. He don't want to let you go. Matter of fact, Jesus said, Father, the ones you have, gave, have given me, none can pluck no one can pluck them out of my hand. God wants to keep you. Hallelujah. He ain't looking for a trade <laughs> when, when you done done, you ain't scored enough points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, in sports, when you don't like the team, you ask for a trade. I say, I ain't no trades here. We're going to work this thing out. We're going to work this thing out. I'm going to hold on to you until you get it right. Oh, that's good news there. I'm going to hold on to you until you can get this thing right because I'm not going to let you go. Uh, listen, I'll go ahead and testify since y'all too uh, snooty to testify. But there's times I wanted to go back. I tried to go back, but God kept holding me. Huh? You ever been there where you wanted to go back? Matter of fact, you stuck your foot across that line, but God still pulled you back and held on to you. I, I remember them days. I remember them days where I crossed back over and God said, uh-uh, no. And it just didn't feel right. Huh? You know, when you, uh, when you get out of that old flesh suit, it just don't fit no more. <laughs> you, you know, you try to get back into that old man and just like, ooh, this is tight. Ooh. Ooh. It, it just doesn't fit anymore. And, and that's God's keeping power. He wants to keep you like that. He wants to make sure when you go back to Jethro, it just don't feel right no more. I, amen. I don't know who Jethro is, but praise the Lord. A, amen. You know, when Bonifa called you up and you, it just don't feel right no more. I don't know. I was trying to find you. Bonifa. Bonifa. I like that one too. Bonquifa. 
Bon, Bonquisha. Okay. I don't know, but that may be somebody named Bonquisha. Oh, and see, that's why we can't use Bonquisha. She be hitting us up on the line talking about, don't be talking about me. I'm going to sue you for slander. Amen. But, but, but God is a keeper, and he wants to keep you. He wants to keep you in all your wayward ways. He wants to keep you. God, God does not turn his back. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. God wants to keep you. Amen. That's why you should want to be kept. Amen. You, you should want to be kept because if the more you, uh, there's a scripture that just popped in my spirit. I don't know exactly where it's at, but it says you cannot, it's hard to kick against the gold, the prick. Right? It, it, G-O-A-D, the gold. It, it's it's an a instrument that uh, sheep herders and, and cattlemen use that when the, the cattle bumps up against the gate, it's a sharp end on it. And when they bump up against it, it stick them to let them know you, done went, you went too far. <laughs> it, uh-uh, don't come here. It, so it's hard to kick against the, the prick or the gold because what God does is he wants to keep you. It's best to be kept because if you don't, you're going to run against the prick. Amen. Amen. It, you're going to go back, but it's going to like, Ooh, it's not going to feel good. Right? So it's better to be kept of God, to want to be kept, because if he's trying to keep you, he's going to make it real uncomfortable in your unkeeping. Hallelujah. Are you hearing me? Acts 26, 14. Amen. Might as well read it while you're there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Saul was trying to run. He thought he was doing things for God, but he was really running against God. Right? So it's better to be kept and to want to be kept by God. Amen? Amen. So, amen. So God is a keeper. He's able to keep you. Can we say amen to that? Sure. Yeah, we're going to need you on the mic, so. Folk on, online can hear you. Amen. And you can take it off the stand if need be. Hello. Hello, Moto. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Now that desire, unfortunately, has not fallen on everyone to be married. So there are those who um, 
like Paul, which some theologians now believe that Paul actually was married, uh, but Paul said, I wish you were as I was. But uh, there has been some school of thoughts and teachings as of lately that has actually almost proven in text contextually that Paul was married, uh, but that's for another thought for another day. But there are people who, who were not married. God did not give that desire. Of course, um, I believe that God desires that we reproduce and that reproduction happens through marriage. Uh, but then spiritually, that reproduction can take place as well, where we reproduce sons, spiritual sons and daughters, uh, of which we don't have to be married in a sense naturally for that to take place, but spiritually. But definitely to your point, I'm sorry. It gives us that connection. Definitely, definitely, because the church and the body of Christ is Christ's bride. Uh, so that spiritual connection of marriage is definitely to your point is that God give us that desire, the insatiable desire, if not to be physically married, but to be married to, to Christ. Um, and, and that's God's desire for all of us is to be married to Christ. Right. That that the bridegroom comes back to find his bride without spot, without wrinkle and without blemish. Matter of fact, in Ecclesiastes, it talks about how God has etched upon our hearts. Uh, he has placed within our hearts an uh, eternal void, an uh, eternal void of which only God can fill, right? So we all have that eternal void on the inside of us that only Christ could fill that void. So there's that desire that you speak of is that that desire is to have that void filled. But what flesh does is flesh says, I want to fill that void, devoid of Christ. So we place all kind of other stuff in there thinking it's going to fill it only to find ourselves empty yet and still wanting. Uh, oh, Lord, yeah. Yeah, now you're just thirsty. Huh? Yes. Talk back Tuesday. and from two to two. Yeah. Yeah. Satisfied.
Yeah. 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 Just keeps leaking. I, I, I was talking with uh, Evangelist earlier, and we were talking about, uh, and I, I said this too on uh, Kingdom Hour on Friday. You know, there's this thing going around now where everybody's talking about the all, the all, <coughs> excuse me. And you're so orally and, you know, all of this stuff, and I'm anointing, I got the oil of the Lord, and da-da-da-da. You know, you can have oil in your car, but if you have a leak, <coughs> and, and you could be filled with oil, but if you have a leak, then you lose pressure. And, and as you're losing pressure, you're trying to move, <coughs> but you're not going anywhere because you don't have enough pressure built up. So, so watch this. You can have the anointing and the oil of God, but you got to make sure you don't have no cracks. You got to make sure you're not leaking. And a lot of times we get that confused because we're dripped with the anointing and all of this. And, you know, God is moving through us, but we still got cracks. And we see God move through us, but we're not moving as fast as we should. That's because we still got cracks. Right. So so I believe what the Holy Spirit comes to do, as the scripture says, God comes to seal us with the guarantee. Uh, there's there's this sealant that you can place in your engine that seals the cracks. Yes. Make sure that the gaskets are tight and there's no leakage taking place. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit comes as that sealant to seal to make sure there's no gaps. So that God's guarantee can be fulfilled in your life. Can you say amen to that? Uh, so, so we have to be careful in this day not to confuse the fact that God has anointed us, that we are so anointed that we're, we're far removed uh, from God's hand of judgment. Amen. Amen. That, that God still won't smack you. Amen. Because he's been using you so greatly and miracles, signs and wonders have been manifesting through your vessel. God still will smack you. Amen. Hallelujah. That's tight, but it's right. Huh, mother. Yeah. I don't care how good my kids are. They just take one. one. How many good grades you come home with and how well you have done, you mess up one time. I'm just, hey, glory to God. So, so God gives us, he's able to keep us. He gives us this guarantee, right? Because he's able to keep us. I don't know if I have connectivity back there, Nick, but connect me if you don't mind, sir. But, but God is a keeper and he will keep you if you want to be kept. Right? Now, hear that statement. It may sound counterintuitive to what I've said because God will keep you if you want to be kept. God's still keeping you, but you have to want to be kept. Right? He'll never take his hand off you. You just got to want to be kept. The psalmist said, if I make my bed in hell, Lord, you are there. He'll, you know, God will go with you in a strip club. Yeah. 
He'll go with you in the bar, in the prostitute, uh, in the uh, bordello. He'll go with you wherever you go. He'll go with you in the crack house. He'll go with you to jail and be sitting right there with you. Yeah, God, he'll, he'll keep you. He'll, he'll walk with you and go with you wherever you go. God is there. That, that's why you always feel that, man, something told me. That wasn't something. That was the Spirit of God telling you. Right? While you climbing through that window of that married band. <laughs> something told me not to go in there. That was the Spirit of God. He went with you. Y'all quiet. Because God wants to keep you. He will go with you wherever you go. Has anybody ever felt that before? Don't tell on yourself. Amen. I guess my battery did. Hang on. Let me see. Praise God. Is it, is it dead, Nick? Give me another battery. But take me to my next slide while you do that. Amen. So, so here it is. Um, as we get all this technical stuff squared away. I got good hands, you know. If you throw it, I catch it. I told you I had good hands. Y'all didn't believe me, huh? Huh? Oh, there we go. Amen. So, um, we 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 taught on Sunday. It's still gonna happen. So, from that same thought, it's still gonna happen. When you think about that statement and you think about your life, um, what comes to mind? When you hear that, it's still going to happen. What, what was the thought that came up in your mind, knowing that where you are in life, what you have done in life, what came to mind when you heard that it's still going to happen? Anybody? The promises. The promises. Yeah. Yeah. His promises still going to happen no matter what. Because remember, God knows your end from the beginning. And by him knowing your end from your beginning, watch, it's not that his promises are going to happen. They've already happened. You just got to catch up to him. What God wants to do in your life, it's already done. What God wants to do in your life, he has already settled. That's why it's a guarantee, because it's already done. That there's nothing that has to happen for it to happen because it's already happened. Oh, God. Did y'all hear what I said? There's nothing that has to happen for it to happen because it's already happened. So what God wants to do in your life with your promises is still going to happen because it's already happened. You just hadn't caught up to it yet. Remember, the children of Israel was promised the promised land over 400, and I believe I did the math on it, like over 420 some odd years before they even came into existence, God promised them a land flowing with milk and honey, and they were not even in existence. Matter of fact, he pulled them out of Egypt, and they didn't even know who God was. They didn't even know, watch, they didn't know the promise nor the promiser. <laughs> But God had already prepared a place, designed a place, fulfilled the promise before he even made the promise. It already happened. It already happened. But they had to walk into it. They had to catch up to what God had already done. 
right? So in the life of the believer, it is for us, it is intuitive of us to make sure that we stay in step with God because we want to make sure we catch up to the promises of God. Yes, you're going to slip. It's not a license. Yes, you're going to trip. You're going to stumble. You're going to take some detours in life. Get back on track. I want to encourage somebody tonight who's been kind of wayward and off track. Get back on track. Because that's the only way you're going to catch up to what God is doing is to get on the track of God. That's, that's the only way the promises will manifest in your life. They're already there, but in order for, you to, for them to manifest, you got to make sure you stay in step with the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So people are praying and asking God, God, do this, do that. God said, I already did it. I'm just waiting for you to catch up to it. That's why it's important in your prayer life. I want to help you out here. That's why it's important in your prayer life is to be more of a listener than a talker. I know you got this long laundry list of stuff you need God to do. I know you have this long list that you expect of God to make happen in your life. But in order to get to the end of that list, you got to first learn how to hear what God said on the first thing on the list. Amen. Because every miracle God is going to do in your life will be preceded by an instruction. So to get to the answered prayer, you got to first hear the answer. Oh, man, I wish I had that on the screen. To get to the answer of the prayer, you have to listen for the answer. Say, God, I need you to answer this prayer. He said, yeah, I need you to listen so you can hear the answer. So becoming more of a hearer instead of a talker, you would hear the instructions of God because in order for you to have a miracle manifest or answer prayer, you got to hear what God has to say about the prayer. The woman who was a widower, and God sent the prophet her way. The way she got her miracle, she had to follow the instructions. The debtors were coming to take her sons away. God sends the prophet her way and says, gives her instructions. And the instructions was, go borrow vessels, vats, from all your neighbors. How did her miracle manifest? Her miracle manifests in her obedience to the instruction. If she didn't follow the instruction, the miracle wouldn't have manifested. Your miracle is proportioned to your preparation. She followed the instruction, but the miracle was only limited to her preparation. She borrowed vessels, but she only borrowed enough of which she could handle at the moment. Amen. Or, or, or shall I say that her pride would allow her to handle. Did, did y'all catch that? That her pride would allow her to handle. Let me bring it home to you. You know, there's some miracles God want to manifest in your life, but you're too prideful to ask. You're too prideful, prideful to ask others to help you in the manifestation of your miracle. 
Yeah. What you borrowing them vessels for? God's about to do a supernatural move in my life. But see, we don't want to get to that place where we have to define or describe to others what God is doing because we're too prideful. We think we, we're too prideful to uh, what people are going to say or think about us when we tell them God's about to do something supernatural. Amen. Or if your situation is so bad, uh, the spirit of pride comes on you. You don't want to tell nobody about your situation uh, because of what they may think about you or how they may perceive you to be. So now you don't even want to ask for help. Uh-huh. And it's in the asking that God will do something supernatural and a manifestation of his glory can happen in your life. But but closed mouth don't get. Yeah. Amen. So, so her miracle manifested how? In her obedience to the instruction. So what am I saying to you this evening? Is that God will do something supernatural in your life, but you got to follow the instructions in order for it to happen. Every time there was a miracle in the Bible, there was first, always first, an instruction given. Every time. When Jesus fed the multitude, before he fed them, he gave instruction. Sit down in 50s and 100s. Sit, sit down. Huh? It, always instruction. When Lazarus came out the tomb, he said, roll the stone away. Instruction. He could have caused Lazarus to walk directly through the stone. But no, the people had to follow in instruction. The man who sat at the side of the road begging. Jesus said, take up your mat and walk. Instruction. Always instruction. So how do you get a prayer through? You have to listen to the instructions and then obey the instruction. Amen. Hallelujah. That's going to cut your prayer time down, too. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You know how y'all get in that closet, get the sweat, <laughs> doing all that talking. God, be quiet. Just, can, I, can I get a word in so I can tell you what to do? Spiritual ADD. Y'all hate a, a silent hush. Something always got to be said. You know the most powerful prayer posture you can have is a silent posture. Where you just sitting there listening for the voice of God. I think we get intoxicated with the own tone and texture of our voice. we get so enamored with the way we sound. <laughs> you, you know, when you get in the rhythm and the flow of prayer and it starts sounding good even to yourself, y'all, I'm telling you. Yeah. And, and, and now you're so enamored with your own voice, you just keep going and going and going and, Hour later, you still praying, and God's like, I mean, I will respond as soon as you be quiet. I will give you an answer if you'll be silent long enough to hear what I have to say. Huh? So, so we have to become listeners, Right? 
So when you talk about, we talk about it's still going to happen. There's some, some promises that God wants to fulfill in our lives, but there has to be preceded by instruction. So it's kind of like a roadmap trying to get to a destination, right? In order to get to the promise, there's a roadmap. It's a GPS, God positioning system, that, that God wants to navigate you to the promise where it's already done, but you got to follow the instruction. What happens when you don't follow the instructions of the GPS? You get lost. Does that negate the place of destination? Is that place still in place? It's just going to take you longer to get there. And what happens when you get lost along the way, sometimes you run into some vagrants and obstacles some trials and some tribulations and some storms and some issues and some robbers, some getovers and some scammers. And, and you're wondering uh, why life is going the way it's going because you got off track. You, watch this. You run into some sickness and some disease, some lack and some poverty, some broken relationships. You run into some evictions and repos. Because you got off track. Because you didn't follow the GPS. Y- y'all remember Wizard of Oz followed the... You can get to the promised land if you just follow the yellow brick road. Right? You can follow. If you can get to the place God has you, if you just stay on track with God. Right? So it's still going to happen. So we gave you some... Uh, block tactics of the enemy. Number one, distraction. The enemy comes to distract you, right? Somebody tell me when you think about a distraction, give me a distraction that's taken place or one of the distractions naturally that we can apply in our lives. What, what, what's a good distraction? Work, good. What's another good distraction? Kids, oh Lord. You need to be at the altar. You know, we need to pray for you. <laughs> Husband. <laughs> she said that one. <laughs> Next. Well, give us some distractions. Friends. Social media. Give me some other distractions. Negativity. Politics. Some from this side, y'all quiet. Eh? What has distracted you in life? Food, <laughs> amen, amen. Distraction, people. It's a good one. Sister Brenda, distraction. All the above. You took the easy way out, huh? D. All the above. <laughs> How about church? Oh, look at y'all. What do you mean church distraction? You know church as, as is can be a distraction. Because you get caught up in the rudiments of, in the, 
the rudiments of church and traditions of church, and it prevents you from having a true relationship with Christ. You get caught up in the form and fashions of church, and it becomes a distraction, right? The traditions of men, you get caught up, and it distracts you. Amen. That's, that's truth, right? So now you spend 20 years in church, but you have no relationship with Christ. You know how to sing, how to usher, how to greet how to serve, how to do all those things, but you still don't know Christ. It, it, it is what the issue was with Saul. Church had become a distraction where Saul didn't even know Christ, but yet he thought he was doing the work of the kingdom of God. Saul, who became Paul, amen, he was a Pharisees, right? A, a Pharisees amongst the Pharisees. He was like here. But he had no personal relationship. Church became a distraction. I mean, he had to stop on the road and uh, the road of Damascus. Saul, Saul. <laughs> why, why does thou persecute me? Saul said, is that you, Lord? <laughs> Wait a minute, you're supposed to know him. You're supposed to know, why, why did he have to stop you on the side of the road and to redirect you, recalibrate you? Because he had no personal relationship. Church as it was had him distracted. He thought he was doing what was right in God's eyesight, but it was only in his eyesight. Distraction. Oh, church, we can't get distracted by church. We got to make sure we're fulfilling the will of God. Amen. So distraction. Uh, we told you as well, another blockade or block tactic of the enemy uh, is to detain. Anybody ever felt stuck? You, you, you ever felt stuck in life where, you know, things were moving, then all of a sudden it stopped, and then you're just like stuck? You, you ever felt that your relationship was going well with God, then all of a sudden it grew stagnant and you were stuck. Right? Detained. That's another block tactic of the enemy is to get you in a stuck place. Make you feel like nothing's happening. Hmm? No, no watch this. Let's get back to church. You're in church and it's like nothing's happening. Ah, it's dead. Church ain't dead. You're stuck. Because the church of the living God is never dead. It's always moving. The kingdom of God is always moving, breathing, expanding. So it's not that the church is stuck. You stuck. Amen. I need a better amen than that. Yeah. So, so we got, how do you get unstuck? How, how did you get unstuck that time you felt stuck? How did you get unstuck? How do we get unstuck? Prayer, fasting, and the word of God. Amen. In that order? No, I'm, just, I'm messing with you. <laughs> Amen. How, how did you get unstuck? Mm. Can I throw the microphone at you? 
Say that again so the people online can hear you. Amen. You have to confess that you have a problem. And first, the problem relies, I mean, is in you. Mm. I remember being in seven different organizations at one time. So my word life and my prayer life suffered mm. because I was always doing something. Wow. Always yeah. doing something. So I had to realize, look, you can't do everything. Mm. You can't be all things to all men. So I just had to sit back and say, okay, God, what is it you ah, want? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not trying to do everything that wow. everybody else required of me. Wow, that's good. Amen. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Was the word, and the message was literally about what you had said, and how you get so wrapped up in doing and performing and people pleasing. Mm. Oh, wow. Performance, say again. Performance orientation. Performance orientation. Yeah. Somebody gave me that word. Somebody yeah. gave me that word the other night, Friday night, and told me to look it up. Not in the blue. She just said, and I feel the Spirit telling me to tell you performance orientation. Mm. Okay. Wow. And I went and looked it up. I forgot it, so I had to ask her again. She remembered it. I went and looked it up, and she sent me the message, this message with it. Amen. Amen. Being stuck. Yeah. It's prayer, fasting, confessing. Yeah. Uh, especially confessing where you are. Because a lot of times you can't get to where God wants you because you want to identify or locate where you are. The first thing the GPS asks you to do when you uh, are trying to locate a place, it asks you where you are first, your starting point. 
That's that confession. This is where I am. I got some issues right here. And if I can settle in myself where the issue lies at, then once I can locate that, then it makes it easier to chart out a course to get to my promise. Uh, And that's what Satan does. He comes to detain you because we don't want to confess exactly where we are. Confess your faults one to another. Right. Amen. Sure. Yeah. That we don't feel like there's nothing wrong. Yeah. You know, I, I know I can, I can do all certain things sure. that I'm, I'm tasked to do. Sure. So for me, it's not a substance, but in, in God, that is a substance. Mm-hmm. That is a, a, a place of stagnation. Sure. Because in Him, we're not weak. In Him, we're not grown. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? I yeah. think I remember what Tana Margo was mentioning about um, uh, just if things are the same way. Sure. And in the kingdom of God, everything always changes. Mm-hmm. Because God doesn't succeed. Yeah. But if we do, that means we're sitting down on God. We're sitting down on our blessings. We're sitting down on the things that God is trying to do through us. Yeah. Because we're so comfortable yeah. in that substance. Yeah. Let, let's go back to the top of your question, which was uh, what happens when you don't recognize your faults? Well, what happens is, is that you see yourself far greater than what you are. And you have drifted away from God because. If I see no fault in me, then now I'm comparing myself to others when I should be measuring myself up to the standards of God. Right. So if I am truthfully and honest with myself, then I look in the mirror of God's word and I judge myself by that. So if I can measure up that to that, then I can say, okay, well, this is not a fault because God shows me. You see what I'm saying? God has shown me in this area where I measure up and where I don't. So when, when I see no fault, then there is a fault. And the fault is that I hadn't turned to God's word to be the measuring stick or the mirror uh, of which I have measured my life by. Um, and, and that's what we should all be doing, because, you know, if we don't measure ourselves according to God's. Thank you, Holy Ghost. It is the it, it was the rich young ruler that approached Jesus. Right. He comes to Jesus and he says, I'm coming to you, Sister Brenda. I multitask. He comes to Jesus and he says, good master. And Jesus said, why do you call me good? Now, here is the most perfect person who ever walked on the face of the earth. You would assume that that's a compliment. That he comes to him and says, good teacher, good master. You figure Jesus would be like, man, somebody get it. You understand who I am. But Jesus said, why do you call me good? In other words, this rich young ruler had measured Jesus according to his own standards. He was able to call Jesus good based upon his measurement, not based upon the measurement of God. But he looked at Jesus just like him. Jesus knew what was in his heart. He knew where of which he was approaching uh, this conversation was, listen, I'm just like you. I have kept the law since my birth. I'm perfect. I find no fault in me. I'm just like you, Jesus. You ain't got no fault. I ain't got no fault either. Because he was measuring himself on human, human measurements. He was measuring Jesus according to his eyesight and his perception of who Jesus was. All right. 
And so Jesus saw deeper than the question. He saw in the man's heart that the man had something deeper. Rich young ruler says, I've kept the law. Jesus said, well, if you so good, keep the law. He said, I've done that. Since a child, I kept all the law. Jesus tells him then what? Sell everything and come follow me. What happened? He went away sorrowful because he had great riches, right? Because he really couldn't measure up to the standard of Christ. Because if he could have, then he would have sold everything and followed Christ. But because he couldn't reach that high, he went away sorrowful because he had his own measurement, right? He must be part Jamaican. That's a lot of job, man. Yeah. So then, I forgot about mm. my wife. Oh, my. Because it's not just when, when we talk about people pleasing, you can try to be pleasing to yourself. Like she said, you know, we're looking for the affirmation. I'm doing all of this stuff to make sure I feel good. Right. You may not be doing it for them, but you may be more so doing it for yourself. So people can pat you on the back and say, good job. You get the award. Da, da, da. That's for you. So you got to be careful of that, too. You become a lover of yourself. Right. You know, I'm doing all of this stuff because I want the gold star. Yeah. Yeah. We know there are people pleasers, but then there are person pleasers too. Try to please your person self. Yeah. So I became, and that's another trick of the enemy, get you detained. Because now you hold stuck in a rut because it feels good and comfortable in this place because you know where the affirmation is coming from. So I don't want to move with God because if I go over there, I don't know if I'm going to get the same reception. Right. I, 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 I'm not going to go to this next phase of life because I don't know if I'm going to get all the accolades like I got over there. I, I don't know if I'm going to maintain the position that I had over there, over here. So I'm going to stay, over, I'm going to stay stuck in this place. In the same old place I've been the last 20 years, nothing happening, nothing moving, but I'm comfortable because I know I'm going, that's apostle, that's elder, that's deacon. And you get stuck in the place. 10, 20 years on your job. God Ben told you to leave your job. 
Amen. But because you're so accustomed to all of the praises of the people, uh, you get stuck. Enemy detains you. Um, another thing we gave you on Sunday is uh, another block tactic of the enemy is to, and I'm, I'm stuck again, is to detour. Amen. Amen. It's to detour you. Now, now there's, there's some detours in life are good. Right? Like when you're coming up to road construction, they say detour. Because there's a possible impending danger ahead or there's some, some kind of disruption. Uh, but the plot of the enemy is to detour you and to take you to a different destination. Right? So, so you got to know the difference between the leading of God and the detour of Satan. Right? Because Satan's plot is to prevent you. Remember, we're talking about the promises of God. It's to keep you away from the promises. So he will detour you and give you an alternate destination. He, he will give you another route, but also in the midst of you going on another route, he changes the destination. Ain't that like that slew-footed, uh, serpent, slippery sucker? He, he, he changes up on you along the way and gives you a whole nother destination. You arrive at another place. You're like, man, I have arrived. You have, but you arrived at the wrong place. It, and then watch this. There'll be some good stuff there. Because the Bible says that even an evil person know how to give good gifts to their children. And you arrive at that destination and be like, I'm here. And it's nothing like what God really had for you. Oh, say that louder. Yeah, you stuck with a molehill. Fool's gold. Yeah, gold plated. And, and now your nick is green. <laughs> Y'all remember what a cheap... Cheap chain before and your next start itching, you breaking out. That fool's gold, gold plated stuff. Yeah, that's what Satan does. He he hoodwinks you. He pulls a switcheroo. Right? And that's part of Satan's tactics. Is he wants to detour you, and in the midst of that, you get rerouted to a whole nother destination. And, and, and now you're there. Watch this. Now the process begins again. You're distracted by all of the things that Satan has set up where you're at. And you're distracted by that. Now you're detained. You don't want to go nowhere because it's like, oh, this is good. Yeah, I like this. Now I want to stay forever. You get stuck in the marriage for 30 years. You wasn't supposed to be there in the first place. Because you got detoured. And he tricked you along the way and gave you a whole nother destination. You end up moving in a house that God never intended for you to move in. It's pretty. But you shouldn't have been there in the first place. So, amen. So here's some of the essence of the promises of God. We're going to run through those. Number one. God says, I am your strength. 
So when Satan comes to bring about these distractions and try to detain you and detour you, you've got to remember the promises of God. You have to remember the promises of God. Because along the way, when you get distracted, detained, and detoured, you're going to grow weary. I don't care how super spiritual you think you are, when Satan brings his tactics on you, you're going to grow weary. The Bible says, faint not, for in due season you shall reap. Right? But you're going to get to a point where you're going to get tired of going left and going in circles. You're going to get tired of hitting your head against the wall. You're going to get tired of, of trying to do things and everything you do falls to the ground. That's reality. You're going to get tired of ju- trying to forge your way through that marriage. And every time you get a foot up, it, you fall and you stumble and you trip. You're going to get tired at that job trying to get a promotion and they deny you over and over again. You're going to get tired of preaching to them kids and they still can't get it right. You're going to grow weary. You're going to be like, I just, ah. You got to remember the promises. You got to remember the promises. Because we're not in a sprint. We're in a marathon. You got to be in it for the long haul. You got to run on to the end. <laughs> run to the end, King Jesus. You got to run. All, you got to finish the race. That's what Paul said. I have run my race. I've run, you don't stop at the quarter mile and say, I'm finished. You don't stop at the halfway point and start celebrating. Woo! Woo! You, you, only, you only celebrate once you cross the line. Right? So you got to remember the promises. You don't stop halfway because you don't got tired. You don't grew weary. No, not if I want to obtain the promises of God. I got to get up and keep going. And that comes in those what, what Sister Aisha said, the prayer and the fasting and the supplication. I'm, remind, I'm drawing closer to God, right? I'm, I'm asking, I'm remembering God is my strength because in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. I'm in the book now. In, in, in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. So if I know he's my strength in my weary days, I lean on him. When I'm ready to quit and give up, I lean on him. If I want to get to the promise. I don't blame him because I hadn't got there. I don't blame him because I hadn't manifested. God, you don't love me. The devil is a lie. Oh, God, you just you mad at me because I I done wrong. The devil is a lie. God ain't mad at you. Matter of fact, when you slip and stumble, the Bible says the righteous man falls seven times, but he what? You know how you get back up because it ain't your righteousness you're getting up in. It's his righteousness. It's because of his righteousness he pulls you up. Because <laughs> if it was your righteousness, you'd stay down and just cry. No, his righteousness pulls you up. That's your weak place that his strength is made perfect. Right? So I got to remember the promise. The promise is that God is my strength. Amen. I'm way over. Amen. Uh, Number two, we're going to run through. Uh, I will I will never leave you. That's a promise from God. Oh, man, I'm so thankful he didn't leave me. I made some stupid mistakes in my life. I mean, I'm telling I made some 
stupid mistakes in my, I've done some stuff, y'all. I'm telling you. And I know it's the hand of God that kept me. I've done some stuff, man. I, I know without shadow doubt, I should either be dead or locked up in somebody's jail. Come on. I, I, laid up in the hospital, comatose, I, a vegetable. I've done some stupid stuff. But he never left me. He never left me. No matter how many often times I tried to leave him, he never left me. Well, you give me a signal. I'm overboard. I already know. <laughs> he flashing the screen. I already know we're late. Right? But he will never leave you nor forsake you. That's a promise. I hold to that promise. I mean, I hold to it. Now, now watch. Not only holding to the promise of the fact that he'll never leave me, but I also got to live my life knowing that he'll never leave me. Oh. Ah. Don't you know God goes where you goes? You got to live your life knowing that he never leaves you. Everywhere you go, he's there. Amen. If it's too short in his presence, it's too short in our presence. <laughs> you know, when you're getting dressed, you got to say, Lord, is this too short? <laughs> Amen. Am I showing too much? <laughs> Amen. Glory to God. Amen. He would never leave you. Amen. Uh, there we go. Oh. Went too far. Um, I have plans to prosper you. I have plans to prosper you. God wants you to increase. That, that is a promise. I said on Sunday, it is foolishness when I hear people talk about the, the, uh, the uh, prosperity gospel, the gospel of prosperity. The whole Bible is prosperous. God is a prosperous God. He is so prosperous, he put seed inside a seed so it could prosper. Everything God does multiplies. He wants everything he does, he wants it to multiply. That is prosperity. We get, we get so caught up only in the financial monetary side of that when we talk about prosperity. The whole Bible is prosperous. And why would you not want to prosper? Who, who gets up every day and go to work? If, if you don't want to prosper, stay at home. Become a bag of bum. Live on the street if you don't want to prosper. Everybody wants to prosper. Amen. If not, you know, come work for me. I'll pay a penny an hour. <laughs> if you don't want to prosper. Matter of fact, just come work for free. If you don't want to prosper. Right. So so I, again, I don't get it. It's foolishness when we talk about the, the prosperity gospel. Yeah. He's still, even at a penny. He's going to prosper. To prosper. Yeah. So you can't get away around it. No matter what you do, whether you believe in God's prosperity for you or not, God's still going to prosper you. That's his promise. That's his promise. Right? That's his promise. So, so we have to know that, that God has a plan to prosper us. He wants us. Now, Prosperity comes with a purpose. That's where we have 
to take an issue with. When we take prosperity out of the purpose and the plan of God. Right. right? Now, when prosperity becomes personally self-gained just for me and nobody else, that's where God says I have an issue. He said, I've blessed you so that you may be a So God wants you to prosper so that you can now be a blessing to somebody else, right? God don't want you to, and this is me, I'm in God's mind right now. God God don't mind you having a seven-bedroom house and and a a four-car garage, but the question is, is you just going to have that for you? Or or, are you just going to have that car where you can bless a single mom who ain't got no transportation? Uh, or are you going to set that room aside when a, a weary traveler don't have a place to say, hey, listen, I got seven bedrooms, six of which I ain't using. You can come stay here a while. You know, I know you've been uh, evicted out your house. You know, I got a pool house on the back that you can stay rent free until you get on your feet. Right. So so prosperity comes with the purpose that you are blessed to be a blessing. Right. Uh, what, what's the point of me having 12 cars? I can only drive one at one time. Amen. And, and maybe I give you one and something I ain't got to give. I just keep it. Hey, you just drive it to, you know, so that way the next person can have something, too. Right. Amen. Ah, plans to prosper you. God hears your prayers. Uh, give me 10 more minutes. Let me go. Uh, seven. God hears you. That's a promise. God hears your prayers. Right. Here again, Satan's tactics to block you from this promise distract you, detain you, and detour you, right? Get you distracted on the fact of God hearing your prayers. God don't hear you. You know what you did last summer? That was a movie, right? Yeah. You you, you know, distract you. God don't love you, right? Distract you, detain you, get you caught up on stuff, other stuff. Then he sends you on the That's God hears our prayers. He hears the prayers of the righteous. Remember, you're not righteous. You're righteous in him. So he hears your prayers. That's a promise. Somebody shout, that's a promise. He will fight for you. Hallelujah. He will fight for you. He will fight for you. When I was growing up, I didn't have to worry. When I got to school and people pick on me, uh, I had a, a big brother, right? And we didn't get along, but we got along when somebody else tried to get over on us. You know what I'm talking about? We had that kind of relationship. When it came down to fighting, oh, don't mess with me. I get my brother. Now at home, you know, I couldn't stand him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But but I had somebody who fought for me, right? So I knew whenever I got in trouble, I'm calling my brother. Right? I had somebody fighting for me. I had a father that when he come to school, listen, I don't care who he is, young or old, listen, don't mess with my boy. Amen. Amen. My dad wasn't short on whooping somebody else's kid. Amen. <laughs> Messing with his child. God will fight for you. Matter of fact, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, he said he he went before them. You know, every battle that the children of Israel fought, God went before him and fought the battle. It was very few times you saw the children of Israel actually pick up a sword. 
Most of the time it was God. They cracked open a, a, a lantern and the walls fell down and they shouted. The Jericho walls, they didn't fight that battle. <laughs> you know, archaeologists have proven that the walls of Jericho, when they fell, they did not fall inwardly. So the walls of Jericho were so massive and so thick that houses were actually built upon the wall, that the walls were almost three miles in uh, depth or width. So when they found the Jericho walls, the walls actually collapsed, collapsed inwardly. They didn't fall like that. It collapsed inwardly. So, so theologians believe that when they shouted, God took his hands and said, the walls cave inwardly. Right? It, it wasn't their shout that did it. It was God. He fought on their behalf. Gideon, a shout, and confused the Philistines' camp. From a shout. It wasn't, it wasn't them that fought. God fought on their behalf. When you look at the, the, the uh, event of the children of Israel coming out before the Red Sea, the Bible says that God went before them, and then when Pharaoh came behind them, it tripped my head out when I went back and read it. It says God stuck his face through the clouds. And it confused the Egyptians. There was God fighting on their behalf. They didn't have to pick up a stone, a sword, a stick, or nothing. God says, the enemy you see today, you will see no more. God's fighting on your behalf. God's a fighter. Another promise is I will give you peace. I know this world's in utter chaos and mayhem, but God says, I'll give you peace. You know, that's why we're peculiar people to the world. And we have to remain such. Because when the world looks at the world and says, man, there's a lot going on. They should look at us and we are just total peace. The world should think we're crazy. They should think we're crazy. That's, that's why you got to be careful with even how you're posting about, you know, this pandemic and all that. The church looks so fearful now and confused now. We should be at peace. If it's the end, celebrate. If it's the coming of Jesus Christ, we ought to be shouting. We should be celebrating. I mean, that's really the hope of glory that the church have is the coming of Christ. If we really believe that and Christ is on his way, if it's next week, next year, 10 years, five, we should be celebrating. We should be excited. If this is the end, then the celebration should begin. Amen. Oh, woe is me. It's the mark of the beast. Shut up. Celebrate. We should be rejoicing. I mean, I'm ready to see the king. I'm ready to see the king. Now, now watch. It says, and the dead in Christ shall raise first. And then the rest will be caught up with him. So guess what? If I'm alive when it happens, I don't have to die. So I don't have to wait to death for death to see him. I just got to be alive when he comes. Hallelujah. That's something to rejoice on. Why are you scared of death? When he has power and victory over death, hell, and the grave. You know why you're afraid? Because you're afraid you're going to miss out on all of these earthly things. 
because you hadn't got your Maybach yet, your Lambo yet. God, don't take me yet. I got so much I got to do before I go. You ain't got to worry about that when you're doing his will. Because you won't go until his will is fulfilled. Aha. So we should have this peace. And that's a promise from God. And lastly, and I'm done, he will always love you. That's a promise. God will always, always love you. That is a promise. That's a promise. What could separate me from the love of God? No death, no height, principality. Nothing can separate us from God's love. That's a promise. So if no death, no height, no principality can separate us from the love of God, what makes you think you are so powerful to separate you from his love? Hey, God, what, what makes you think that you're so bad? I was going to say it, but yeah. Well, that you can separate yourself from the love of God. You ain't that bad. Your sin ain't that bad can separate you from the love of God. God loves you even in your sin. While we were yet sinners, Christ still. Not even your sin can separate you from him, from his love. That's amazing. God will always love you. But know this, God loves the sinner, but he doesn't love the sin. He still loves you. Still loves you. He loved Saul while he was persecuting the Christians. Loved them enough not to allow him to continue living his life that way. Converted him. God loves you that much. God loved Judas knowing he was a thief. Yet still enlisted him in the army of God to serve a purpose. That's love. I know you're going to steal from me. And I'm still going to hire you as the treasurer. I'm still going to let you walk in your purpose. <laughs> I'm still going to let you walk in your talents and your giftings, knowing that you're going to take your talents and your giftings and do wrong with them. I love you that much. I'm going to anoint you, knowing you're still going to get the big head. And I'm going to use you in the pulpit, even though I know you're prideful, egotistical. I know I'm going to, look, I'm a, you're going to lay hands on sick and every cover. I'm still going to use you knowing that you're going to try to get all of the glory for yourself. But I love you enough to still let you and allow you to operate in your giftings. Hallelujah. That's love. That's love. That's love. And that's a promise from God. Bow your heads with me. For those of you online, I'm sorry to get to your questions tonight if, if you posed any. But I believe tonight somebody, at the sound of my voice, somebody even here in this sanctuary or even online tonight, they have been distracted by the enemy, been detained by his tactics, and have been led astray by his detour. And you have found yourself not in the place of which God desires you to be. Today is a day. God is recalibrating. He's recalculating. He's calling you back on course tonight. 
God loves you too much for you to stay where you are and for you to stay as you have become. He's the great potter. He's looking to remold and refashion you for his sake, something that is good in his eyesight. So you have made some mistakes, not as a justification of your humanity, but as his divinity, God in his divine nature is willing to pull you back out of your humanity and the decisions you have made. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. I feel God sending down fire, a refining fire. I I saw gold bars dipped in molting fire. God says that those gold bars with all this impurity is as your sins in your humanity. It says as these gold bars are dropped in this refiner's fire, that he's burning away all of the impurities. If you would allow your humanity to be dipped in the refiner's fire, God says by his divinity, he's going to separate the dross, the impurities from that which is pure. And you're going to come out as pure gold. Thank you, Holy Ghost. The thing about gold is until it hits the fire, you don't know all the impurities that's in it. So you're here tonight. You thought you were pure in your own eyesight. But God says there's some impurities he wants to burn away tonight. Maybe you're online or in the sanctuary. You thought you had it together. But tonight God is calling you out to dip you in. That's you tonight. Just slip your hand in the air. For those of you online, you can place an emoji in the box below of her hand lifted if that's you. Tonight, thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Father. I see you, sir. Thank you, Father. God is dipping you in his refiner's fire tonight. God, we bless you. God, we thank you. And God, we give you the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, we do pray. Somebody shout amen. 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 Would you clap your hands and give God some praise? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. No, heaven is experiencing a celebration even when one makes a decision. Father, we thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. It's that time of the service that we take time to honor God with our gifts, our giving on tonight. So tonight, as we prepare our hearts and our hands to sow into the work of the Lord on tonight, I pray that you do so with an earnest and a generous heart tonight. Amen. Let's give the Lord another hand clap of praise if you would. If you did not receive an offering envelope upon your entry, amen. Would you wave your hand in the air? I need one as well. Amen. As we prepare ourselves, thank you, ma'am. As we prepare ourselves to give tonight, for those of you who 
amen, a tithing tonight, you could do so simply by texting electronically if you would like to do so, 84321. Text that amount to 84321. You can also give through our cash, through our cash app that has been established. That's Elevate BR, Elevate BR, dollar sign, Elevate BR. One of my preferred means of giving, I like to give by way of our church app. Very simple and secure process. If you have not yet downloaded the church app, you can do so at the Google Play as well as the Apple Store. We're now actually in the Amazon Store too, uh, as well as well as um, I think we're in pretty much every store now. Uh, but you can download that and give through our church app, or you can make checks or cashiers checks, money orders payable, drop it in the mail at 10957 Greenwell Springs Road, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70814. For those of you who would like to give by that means, amen. If you have your gift prepared and ready to sow on tonight, would you stand to your feet with that gift in your hand? Amen. <laughs> Hey, Nana. Hey, Sweet Pea. Hi. Hi, Pastor. Say hi, Pastor. <laughs> Amen. Amen. As you're holding that gift in the air, we're going to make our faith declaration of our seat on tonight. If you would, also be prayerful about considering being a monthly partner, partnering us above and beyond your tithe and your offering, helping support all of the ministry efforts and endeavors that we have. Amen. By being a kingdom partner, prayerful of those things. Amen. As we make our faith declaration on tonight. Amen. Would you repeat after me? God is the source of my increase. All that I have and shall receive comes from him. My giving is a reflection of my trust in God. So today I give with a grateful and a cheerful heart. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you would come forth, starting from the rear, my right and left, and bring forth your offering on tonight, amen. For those you giving electronically, I would ask, too, if you fill out an envelope as well so that way we can have a physical record of your gift tonight as well. Amen. If you would stretch forth your hand towards the offering, Father, we thank you tonight for the seeds that have been sown. Father, we know, O oh God, that there is no harvest without seed. And, Father, in order for seed to come, Father, you must first give seed into the hands of the sower. So, Father, tonight we honor you for the seed that you have given. And tonight, Father, we honor you back, God, by sowing seed into this ministry and we thank you in advance for the harvest to come. It's in Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen, amen. and amen. amen. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord, everybody, one more time. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, sweet Pete. I speak blessings upon your life, grace and peace as you depart from this place, never departing from his presence. I pray that the Spirit of the Lord fills your home and your house, your car, and every place that your feet shall tread with his glorious presence and his power and his might. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen and amen. Hey, sweet pea. Let my hug out.
want y'all to help us. Come on, rise to your feet. I've got evidence here. I've got evidence. I've got confidence. I'm a conqueror.
sanctuary on that night and be here with us if you do so. We will be socially distancing on that night. We do ask that you wear your mask during that time. Amen. Um, so that way we can Also is our youth take overnight um, service, I'm sorry, August 29th, and will take place our youth morning worship. Amen. 